Hey, sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast. We're Seattle fans talking Seattle sports. We're your hosts. I'm Connor. I'm Sam. And I'm Justin. You ready to get started? Let's send it! Welcome back to the pod, folks. Episode 57. And yes, this is Justin again. And Connor is getting really lazy and tired of hosting. So five minutes before the show, he's like, Justin, you're going to host this. I'm like, oh, God. Okay. It's, I think, the exact verbatim, Sam, of what happened, right? Yeah. And then you quickly ran to grab a beer. Speaking of which, which one did you grab? Oh, some leftover from our little get together a couple weekends ago. So I still have a Rainier. One Ooh, tall left boy. from that tall boy. That's right. You got to get through like this it. thing. You know, not many sports are mid-flight, mid-season, ton to talk about. So I feel like I'm. It's conversation's going to go sideways on one of these updates. That will absolutely happen. Yes, <laughs> especially considering the fact that we just finished watching the USMNT El Salvador game. We. I, Connor and I both buried our first drink already. So I've transitioned away from, I was working on some Four Roses with a little bit of Brovo Spirits Boomerang. Hell yeah, um, baby. Transitioned to Straight Jack. Oh, boy. Ready to go. boy. Connor, welcome in. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, yeah, I am sipping on a Moscow Mule right now with all the leftover limes that I had for our get together a couple weekends ago. <laughs> Love that. So, well, I got a Costco pack of limes, three pounds of limes, and I maybe used five while we were there. So, <laughs> that's a lot of limes. Just, just a few leftovers, but that's all right. I'll the, drink the, them. The beer to mule ratio wasn't what it should have been, but. That's what a lot of baseball, the drinking. It's okay. Does the meals that I was yeah. making there were not, not excellent. I will say they were hand pours. They were not measured out. This one that I'm drinking tonight is a lot better because I actually spent some time on it. So it's classy. It's a classy meal. Well, it's actually in the copper mug too. So mm, that always helps. There you go. There you go. What uh, is the deal with the copper mug? I don't get that. Is that an aesthetic thing or does it help with the taste? Um, it kind of keeps everything a little bit colder, like a little bit like, like chilled. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you get kind of like a, just like a, like on your tongue as you're like sipping, you get kind of like a copper, like taste, like before you actually get the sweetness just kind of helps. I always thought it was helps it all go down. It's definitely an aesthetic thing too. Yeah. Yeah, I just I was I've always wondered why it's not with more drinks if it's to keep it cool. Like, why wouldn't you do more in that? But that's just me. That's my it's a Moscow meal thing. I, I don't know. I don't know. Let's transition. So to what? Seattle Seahawks. Oh jeepers, guys! Okay. It, it gives me an anxiety. This team. I, we won't get there yet, but I I struggle to sleep some nights. I wake up from a nightmare like oh Drew Lock. So it's just <laughs> it's terrible. But the latest is there are OTAs or, you know, voluntary and then non-voluntary workouts that we have over the off season. And a lot of players are there. They're shooting promotionals. Some players are flapping their arms uh, for the Seahawks promotionals and such. Connor, there's, Connor, there's one notable absence that we've seen uh, from these mandatory workouts. 
Our best wide receiver, DK Metcalf, has yet to be seen. What's going on, Connor? Why isn't he there? Yeah, it's kind of an interesting turn because all offseason we've been hearing essentially that DK is not worried about his upcoming contract um, mm-hmm. being being extended by the Seahawks, that he's comfortable, things are going to get done. This was back, I mean, he was on an interview. I can't remember who it was with. One of like the, was it um, like a former receiver in the NFL has like a podcast or something like that that he's on. he was on. Was it Brandon? You know, he was in a Yes. Yeah. It was Brandon Marshall's podcast. I think that he was on saying he wasn't worried about it at all. They'll get something done. Um, he was even at like the voluntary workouts like a few weeks ago at, at the VMAX. So it, everything seemed happy. And then this seems to be kind of a, a, you know, DK's camps putting their, their foot down and saying, Hey, we actually like, we're for real. We need to get this done. Um, so it's a little bit of a change of tone from that camp. That being said, I, it's not something that I'm like super irked about. I do think something probably gets done with DK. Um, it's just a matter of when. So he's just playing the game. And you see this from a ton of other players in the league. Um, we've seen it with our own players in the past too. And usually something ends up getting done. Um, and I would be surprised if it's not done by training camp, if not like super early in training camp, if it gets to training camp, he'll hold out until it's done, I'm sure, or hold in like Jamal Adams and them were doing last, last year. So they don't get fined. Um, but it's just, it's just a statement. I mean, I'm not, I'm not fretting about it yet. We got six weeks until training camp starts. So they have time to iron this out and, I mean, the, the, the deals are laid out there too. Like, I mean, the numbers are pretty obvious at this point. He's probably going to cost $25 million a year. It's probably going to be a four, maybe five year extension, probably four. Um, it's, it's probably going to be the, that AJ Brown deal, basically, you know, four years, hundred million is basically what I'm looking at it as. And I don't think they need to overthink it. It's probably just coming down to like what the guaranteed money is going to be and stuff. So we'll see. Do you think that's a, the Seahawks should do that deal? Um, they can certainly afford it right now. Um, and like, obviously the, the salary cap is going to be going quite a bit up over the next couple of years too. So like this deal may end up like looking like a bargain, even if they sign him for $25 million a year for the next four years, DK is such a stud. And like, he's, he's, if they utilize him correctly, like he act, he, he has the upside of being the best wide receiver in the league. I don't know if they will. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's the hugest, that's the biggest caveat in this entire situation. Um, I love DK. So yeah, I mean, it's not my money. So yeah, I want them to sign him. Um, but I can see, I can see the reasons why you would be hesitant, especially just with the offense that we run with the philosophy that we have. Uh, Sam's nodding his head. So maybe I'll let him take the floor here. What are you thinking on the DK extension, Sam? I mean, I think most NFL teams would be a no-brainer. Of course you sign him. But I think it really – what what it's going to come down to is how invested Pete Carroll is in terms of how quick does he want this turnaround to be, how quickly is he going to try to rebuild, because then you obviously have to keep him. But – I don't know. Like that's a ton of money to pay a wide receiver when you have Drew Locke or Geno Smith throwing the ball. Sure. It's a lot of money that you're probably, you're probably not going to get that value out. 
with the pastors that we have on staff. So I don't know if you're thinking, I think you have to keep them. I think you have to just to even lure quarterbacks in, whether you're going to go with the draft or not get, you know, get a rookie that's excited to come in and have a tool at his disposal or weapon at his disposal, like DK Metcalf is really important. Or if you try to go the free agent route and try to pull like the LA Rams grabbing Matt Stafford type player, you got to have the pieces there already for some, something like that to come to fruition. I mean, he's your, he's your best player on the team talent wise. So you probably have to keep him. Yeah, I agree with you, especially your last point of luring players in. If we were ever to that point, I mean, God forbid the Seahawks are decent this year and they could, you know, turn and make something happen in the following years. You need DK around to lure any semi-good quarterback here. And so signing him, especially, you know, looking at, and this is kind of related, kind of not, but the MLS, Major League Soccer, just signed a new media rights deal this year. And it was with completely with the streaming service. So 2.5 billion with a B 10 year deal exclusively on Apple TV and the NFL, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's 2024, 25, I think it's 24. uh, It comes up and there's going to be a new deal um, where they'll negotiate with the different networks and streaming services and et cetera. And you can only imagine how much more that's going to be than the current deals. And so that salary cap mm-hmm. with players getting 49% of the cap, it's, it's going to go whoop. So if you sign a deal now and, you know, if you can lock him up to a four to five year deal, especially with the cap going up in future years, I think that's going to look like a good deal. Yeah, I'd agree. If there is a receiver that you let lock in one to two years, I would say it's probably Tyler Lockett in my opinion. Oh um, Yeah. Yeah, his his contract's up in like two years anyway, isn't it? Right. Yeah, and it's not anything against Tyler Lockett. It's just no return you get for the money, right? Yeah, I mean, we've been getting Lockett at a bargain for a while. Like pretty much every contract that he's signed, it's been a good deal for the Seahawks. And I love Tyler Lockett, also a great receiver. Um, one, he's just getting a little bit older now. Yeah. Um, and then two, you're just, I mean you're probably better off just getting some young blood in there at that point. Um, But the Seahawks have not been great at, you know, drafting and developing receivers in the past. You know, they've, they've struck out a lot for, you know, all the DK Metcalfs and Tyler Lockett's they've had. They've also had a bunch of, you know, Chris Harper's Paul Richardson's like there's a boatload of guys that have not panned out. Um, Remember uh, Norwood? Kevin Norwood. Yeah. Like Who I mean, there's the a ton of those Michigan guys. Michigan wide receiver. Who was the West Virginia guy that didn't even make the team? Greg something Jennings, Gary Jennings. Oh, I forgot about yeah. that. He was a fourth round receiver that didn't even make the team. He spent a fourth round pick on a dude that didn't make the team. Like they have, they have struggled with receivers in the past. Like I mean, uh, DK's blue chip, Tyler's blue chip. Like those are, and then Doug was undrafted. But like I mean, those are the three main receivers that you can point to under this regime that have actually panned out yeah so that's 10 years three receivers that's not a lot of receivers it's a lot of misses too so i know that they say that like receiver is one of the most replaceable like positions on the field but not in this organization and 
not at the level that DK and Tyler have been at. So, um, well, especially I don't care. Physical. I don't care how few times. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. And the, the physical specimen that DK is too. But I mean, like, I don't know. I, you'd have a hard time, I think, replacing that. No, you can't. There's nothing like him. He, he has the upside of the best receiver in the league. I don't care how few of times that you're throwing the ball. Like, yeah. He is a mismatch every time he's on the field. So it's always open. Always open. Well, and that's this is the other part of that equation that you guys are talking about too, though, is like Drew Locke and Gino, they're fucking slingers, dude. Like they will throw to a guy, throw to a window when the guy might not actually be open, but they'll give a guy a chance to bring the ball down. Russ didn't always do that. He waited for a guy to be open like a lot of the time and waited too long a lot of time. <laughs> so, um, DK might actually honestly like fit into a more on schedule offense like we have. Tyler has been great at an off schedule. Like Ty- like Lockett is one of the best. He and Doug were some of the best at off script plays, and that's why they were so great with Russ. I don't think that's DK's strength. I think DK on an on schedule offense, you could see new heights with with him. I understand that you're throwing with you're you're throwing a mediocre to below average quarterback out there. That's kind mediocre. <laughs> That's very kind. We, we don't know. We don't know. We don't I know. How much I, Drew Lock film have you know. watched? How much has he played, man? Like he's played like 16 games in three years. That's enough to give you for, nightmares, I promise. For a reason. He's yeah. Not good. So we'll with DK Connor, from what I'm hearing, you, you you're saying that Russ needed to let it ride a little more and throw to DK. So is that what Let's I'm hearing? Ride. Let's ride. Uh, sure. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> all right. So it sounds like we we're all on sign DK uh, camp yeah. there. But some other developments from OTAs is some of the rookies were injured. Uh, Kenneth Walker, a receiver, just I just had it written down. Uh, remind me, blanking. Probably D. Eskridge. He's always no. In. Well, he's a second year. He is also injured, like a hamstring issue, but small. A couple are injured, but we're getting looks. There's no favorite from the Seahawks on quarterback. We talked about it last time. Do you guys feel any differently on your Geno Smith and Drew Lock picks going into the season? I don't really think it matters. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it matters. I think Gino. I think there's definitely more upside with one, but yeah. I think there's way more upside with. There's one. a. There's a lot lower of a floor with one though too. So right. I get that. Yeah, it just depends on what we want to be for sure. I think the most excited guys that I, if I have to find something I'm excited about, the most excited is about the defense and the change of scheme and formation that allegedly they're committing to. I think Clint mm-hmm. Hurt has pointed out a lot of flaws in what we ran in the previous year or two. And some of the things we can't be doing, like for example, having D linemen out in coverage, he's saying that's probably not a good idea. Um, utilizing- Amazing that it took them this long to realize it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry, interrupt. Using Jamal Adams for his strengths, right? Like trying to confuse the quarterback, having him him for what he's good at versus actually trying to play like more of a 
free safety type of role or like in the back and coverage and type of thing. So mm-hmm. that's what's excited me from any other, yeah. from what you've heard OTAs, whether it's the defense, the offense, if a certain player, what's excited you guys after these OTAs, Connor, I'll start with you. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's, that would for sure be number one with me too. Uh, some of the, like the praise that they have around some of the rookies, I think too. Um, I mean, they, they're talking about Boye Mafe in the same mm-hmm. light as Cliff Averill. They're, com- they're comparing him a lot to K- Cliff Averill, which if he's that kind of player for us, like well worth the second round pick. Um, Cliff obviously is still local and trains a lot of these edge rushers in the offseason and even during the season. So they're hoping that he links up with him. I'm sure he will. Um, so that, w- that would be an awesome development if Boye Mafe pans out to anything close to what Cliff Averill was as, as a Seahawk. Um, Kobe Bryant's gotten a lot of praise um, throughout OTAs as well. Noah Fant's actually gotten a lot of praise from from Pete Carroll. He has. Um, I mean, Pete, I think, said, I mean, he says this about a lot of people, and it's a different person every day, but he said that, like, Noah's been um, probably the most impressive player throughout camp. Um, I think they're just fascinated with the possibilities that he could bring to their, their passing game um, and, and the offense in general. So um, I think those are kind of the standout players to me, probably at this point. A follow-up to that. So there's been a lot of discourse out there that with Noah Fant performing so well, and this is a great point that you brought up, is that you'll see a lot of the Seahawks on offense coming out in a lot of 12 personnel, which means there's two tight ends out on the field and two receivers and a running back. How do you feel about a lot that? of Husky Run- offense? Yeah. A lot of modern offenses, whether it's college or the NFL are running at least three wide receivers out there. You see that a lot with the Rams. Yeah. You see that with the chiefs. You see that with so many different high powered offenses in the NFL. How do we right. feel about reverting back to two receivers, two tight ends and the running back and the, the ground and pound type of offense. Well, shit, if it's up to me, I'd run three running back formation. You got Chris Carson, Rashad. Wing Penny, T. Well, I don't know that we have Chris Carson, but keep going. And Kenneth Walker, the third. That's a three-headed monster backfield. Unstoppable. Run the damn ball. That's exciting. How does that not put you on the edge of your seat? All right, Jimmy. Connor, what do you think? I've watched a lot of very bad offense from the Huskies in that, in those same formations the past couple of years. So um, I'm probably going to pass, but at the same time, I know that Shane Waldron used a lot of two tight end sets when he was um, with the Rams. Mm-hmm. Like obviously he wasn't the coordinator then, but he was involved with the offense. They run a lot of two tight end sets. That was whenever they had, who was the guy that we had last year? Gerald Everett. Gerald Everett. Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby. Higby. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if they can recreate some of that with Noah Fant and Disley, I don't know. I'm not opposed to it, but like it, it, it obviously fits with like what their style is likely to be, you know, a run first oriented team, power football, um, a lot of passes probably closer to the line of scrimmage, some seam routes involved with that. Be great to have some more seam routes, honestly, in the, in the offense. We haven't seen enough of that, I think, the past couple of years. But um, 
yeah, I mean, it's, it limits your, your offense, I think to, to have two tight ends out there uh, rather than three wide receivers, as far as playmaking ability. Um, but um, it probably fits the philosophy that they're going for. So I probably answered your question by taking both sides there, but that's just kind of what I observe. Sam, to bring you in here, uh, you know, Connor and I talked a lot about the defense, a little bit about the two tight ends. Anything that we didn't mention that you're excited for uh, the Seahawks upcoming season, what that you've seen from the OTAs? I haven't been following the OTAs that closely, but did I mention the running backs? Mm. It's going to be awesome. Who do you want to start? Uh, if Penny's healthy and if he's can like pick up where he left off last year, I think all jokes aside, that'd be really exciting. I mean, he did look like a top five running back to end the season. Granted, he was the best running back in the league the last five weeks of the season. Yeah. So if he can pick up where he left off along with the offensive line, which is obviously going to look a lot different. I think that's probably the other point that I'd bring up. I think we were talking off my PFF is estimating or predicting that the Seahawks are going to be the worst graded offensive line next season. That's obviously not great. Kind of want to be better than worst. (laughs) Um, But I think just seeing how that offensive line shakes out and um, in the running game, I think if Rashad Penny can pick up where he left off, I think that alleviates a lot of pressure off of whoever the quarterback is going to be and someone like DK and would just be a great way to start the season. But I don't really see that happening. My guess is a lot of teams are going to be locked in on that and going to look at Drew Locke or Geno Smith and be like, yeah, you guys are going to have to beat us through the air. And I'm not confident that we're going to be able to do that. And you're probably looking at a scenario where you're going to have stacked box. You're going to have all sorts of different confusing pressures coming at the quarterback early and often next season. And it's probably going to be a recipe for disaster, but um, yeah, I, I would stick with that. I think looking at the way that last season ended, the thing that would be most exciting to me is if Rashad Penny can, for the first time in his career, kind of carry that momentum into the next season and, at least have one part of your offense working in an efficient manner would be a great way to start the year. What, what is the update on Chris Carson, by the way, is there any indication that he's kind of working his way back into playing shape? Like, do we think he's going to be available or is the general consensus? Like we'll be surprised if he suits up. I mean, the, the answer from Pete Carroll when he was questioned about this is that they have no timetable on his oh, return. Oh, there's was the answer. official which answer, which, I, which can't be a good thing, right? I mean, he has, like, plates in his neck, right, the whole thing. He has not been cleared to play football right, okay. by the doctors. It's weird, though, because I feel like there's been some momentum and buzz around his name recently in, like, Seahawks media. Like, they've done – a couple of spotlight articles on him talking about I think they have because of, they think his career is over. <laughs> and that's what I was going to ask like how much of that do you think is kind of giving him I hate game? to I hate to laugh when a player is injured and his career is probably over. I'm sorry. That was Well, he, he got um, paid. He got paid. He's good. He'll be he'll be okay. He didn't get paid probably quite as much as he deserved, but he'll he'll be okay. He made millions. So, yeah. he'll be all right. 
So the general consensus here is we're not counting on him being a part of this team. No way. If I had to bet, yeah, no. And I guess, yeah, you read into the Kenneth Walker pick in round two probably speaks a lot to that as well. That was the day that I knew that Carson's career is probably over. Like I thought it was likely before then, but that was... Two-headed monster still works. Yeah. Well, Penny's healthy too. That's also a bit. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that, that, you take the context of like all that stuff. Like, I'm not saying that Kenneth Walker, like the value still probably isn't good. Second round running back. I get that. But you understand them freaking out about the position a little bit with the fact that they're relying on Chris Carson, who is likely done. And then Rashad Penny, who has been healthy all but eight games in his career yeah they for sure needed another especially if they know chris carson's not gonna go yeah and they they didn't just need a body they probably needed a a lead back they needed a stud that they can rely upon for the next three to four years so what's walker's injury i think it's probably just a tweak smallest tweak they're probably just holding them out precautionary yeah phew yeah, that oh man. I'm sweating bullets over here bad. now. <laughs> Doesn't take I, this this is a crazy game football, man. I mean things can change in a day. So so happened with Malik McDowell. Oh man. Yikes. Yeah. Last thing on Seahawks uh related items. KJ Wright's done a few interviews as he's in free agency. Don't know what if he's gonna come back to the Seahawks, if he's gonna retire, the whole thing. Um, he's done a lot of interviews on the Russell Wilson trade and et cetera. And he says that, you know, he's not surprised by the trade. It's a good thing. You know, Pete's system is the reason for success that the Seahawks have had in the last decade. The big reason is Pete's system and that the Broncos with Russell Wilson will finish last in the AFC West next season. What do you guys think about that and all those comments? Do you agree, disagree? Where are you at? Well, I totally agree with this first sentiment that, yeah, a lot of the success we've had the last decade has a ton to do with Pete Carroll and his football philosophy. Now, again, football is changing. And I know, Justin, you're more outspoken on this than others, but like, is that still the recipe for success? Hasn't really looked that way. But I think his comment's accurate. Like Pete Carroll's way of playing football definitely had a ton to do with our success in, you know, the mid 2010s. Um, The second comment, uh, that's a a stretch. I don't really see the Broncos coming in last place. I think that's going to be the the toughest division in football would be my guess. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be shocked if they ended up third somehow behind the Chargers and Kansas City. But, like, I don't see them being worse than the Raiders. That would be surprising to me. But Devontae Adams now, too, best receiver, arguably, in the NFL. Yeah, Yeah. and, like, I I do like Derek Carr. I don't think he's elite, but I think he's better than – I think sometimes he gets trashed on a little bit. He's good. He's, like, above average. He's, like, like bottom at tier two, probably. It's probably in the 10 to 16 range, right? Yeah. 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 Offhand. Yeah. 10 to, I would say 10 to 12, but yeah. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it, it could happen. Anything's possible, but that kind of just the whole vibe that he was giving off in these comments is a little bit salty towards Russell. And I think it's going to be the first of many, especially if things don't go well for Russ in, <laughs> in Broncos country. Let's ride. If it doesn't go well for him, I think you're going to see a lot of these defensive players from our Super Bowl run come out and be like very critical of Russ. And I think this is just the start. Like, Who do you I think that would that. be? Outside I'm waiting of for Sherm to pipe. Yeah. Earl, Which did you see? Whatever, did Earl you see Sherm. the news around Sherm? No. The Thursday night. He's going to be. He's going to be an analyst on Thursday night football on Prime Video. I think he'll be good. I think he'd be excellent so long as, like, yeah, yeah I mean, he keeps his head on straight. Yeah, yeah. keeps his <laughs> yeah. together. Yeah. He might, might say something but, that get him canceled, but. Yeah, no, but I, I mean, I think, I think his, uh, his analysis should be really good though, like very yeah. top notch. And he has the energy, but yeah, I would see like Sherm probably has some things that he's been waiting to say about Russ. My guess is yep. Earl is in there. I don't know um, if people care what Earl has to say anymore. No, <laughs> I don't think I don't think Cam I don't think Cam would say. Anything. I don't think Cam Bobby won't for sure. No, they're like yeah, Bobby no, won't say anything. And I publicly. think Cam. I think Cam probably would, but I think he's too tied into the organization right now. Yeah. To like Browner might say something from jail. <laughs> Cam like Cam right might write it in a book in like 30 years, you know. Yeah, a memoir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cam is the type to come out with a book in like 25, 30 years. I could see that. I could see Marshawn saying something. Like he's not a petty guy. I don't like think I could so. see him. I could see it come. He could probably say something in his own way. Doug, Doug might be... say something. Yeah. Yeah. Although he wrote a nice message to Russ on Twitter when Russ was trying. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they're homies, but I think I think Doug knows like what There's, one. Yeah, I mean, he's the, way closer to Sherman than Russ, obviously. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. one yeah. more person that's gonna light it up. I guarantee it. You're missing. Defense or offense? Offense. I'll give you a hint. Oh, GT. Yeah, I want to guess. Maple Bar Bandit. Yeah, GT. Oh, yeah, Tate for sure. Tate. Did you see what he's doing now? No. He's playing like baseball in uh, Port Angeles. Pacific Coast League. Yeah. Is it Port Angeles? I think so. I wrote it. I wrote it in Los a... Angeles. Is it Port Angeles? No, it's like local. Like they were. Yeah. I gotta look this. Look up. it up. Oh, yeah, verify, the, verify that I'm correct. Port Angeles, Port Angeles lefties. Yeah, wow. he is a lefty too. Center he played field. baseball at Notre Dame, though. So, yeah. like, I mean, he's he's a talented athlete. But yeah, done with football, playing some baseball. Good for him. Anyways, Russell Wilson's corny. He's very corny. I think we can all agree upon that. Justin, I know that you. Hold Russ in a higher regard than Sam may, Sam and I maybe do at this point in time. Yeah, I, mean, I, I have know, said. I know like, you think he's like a tier, tier four quarterback, but yeah, I mean. Not my words. Not my words. I said top eight. I said top eight. And you guys have said, you have slandered me for now a year saying that he, like I said that he was a bottom half of the league quarterback. I never said that. 
I thought you said he has looked like a bottom half of the league quarterback at times. Oh, all right. Uh, to move on, what was the question? Are we? <laughs> what was the question? Broncos country. Uh, bro- are the Broncos oh, going to be like, the KJ oh, Wright my God. thing? Oh, oh. Let's I mean, are we back to the KJ Wright stuff? Or are we talking about? Sure. Rusty yeah, he's corny. corny. All right. Broncos country. Let's ride. <laughs> This is the part of the podcast where Sam just starts repeating this for the next 30 minutes until we're done. That was Broncos bad. Broncos country. Let's ride. Let's that was ride. bad. I don't know what the social media team was thinking when they posted that. Like That's team three. Nothing of Russell gets yeah. put out into the Twitter sphere without team three signing off. Well, then I don't know what yeah. he was thinking then because that was really dumb. He was like, oh, yeah. Nailed it. Oh, this, this is a promote. Did you hear that? They're going to be talking about me. Did you hear that director ask me to say Broncos country? Let's ride. Nailed it. Knocked it out of the park. Future career in Hollywood, guaranteed. He probably will. I see him going more into like the studio analysis type of thing. So, like, if you look at like the Sunday night football desk, not like the in the. I think he's so like, yeah. I think I he's going to start a singing career. Did you see his little graduation song? Stop. No, I did not see Stop. the graduation song. <laughs> he sucks at singing. sing it for me? He's really bad. I don't know yeah, what it was, sing. but you can, you can tell that, like, Sierra told him, yeah, you actually sound good. You should definitely sing that in front of everybody. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Yikes. G- GQ Russ. Okay. We can all admit that Russ has like made us cringe, right? And like most of that cringe has become like because he was our quarterback. Now he's not our quarterback anymore. So the cringe kind of turns into a laugh at this point. Yeah. Right? It's bad. It's bad. Regarding the KJ Wright comments, though, I mean, I think there's a little bit of saltiness on that defense from Super Bowl 49 for sure with the pass. Yeah. KJ Wright said that for sure, that the pass. Yep instead of the run change things and the dynamics for sure oh yeah uh so it was obviously at the time they wouldn't admit it but yeah but i mean at the same time i I, being a defensive player you understand where he's coming from a little bit so sure it's a biased view of the world but you understand oh it is so yeah it is anyways I don't know. I don't agree with everything he's saying for sure. Obviously, Pete Carroll is a huge part of our past success. There's no debate about that. It's a lot of it where we are now, now as being 2018 and going forward, it's not suitable to what the NFL is going towards. So while I disagree strongly with the offensive philosophy that we're going to be going towards next year, I can't argue his the reason for past successes mostly because of him and yeah. without russell wilson i don't think we would have won either but a large part to Pete probably Carroll. i mean because we yeah probably yeah. and Pete carroll said that yeah yeah i i mean you had you had a third round quarterback making three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year for four years yeah so that helps you're able to build a pretty freaking good team and i mean he was definitely a top 10 quarterback at that time like yeah 
So, yeah. So third round quarterbacks, what was that? He's drafted in 2012, making 350 grand a year. Sam, UW Husky football players were making more than 350 grand. Some players now. I don't know if any the of the era of NIL. I don't know that Montlake Futures is hooking them up that that nicely, but they are in Tuscaloosa and uh, College Station for sure. College Station is where the money. College Station's got some big bucks apparently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go Aggies. Let's talk about some dogs updates. There's some recruiting happening. We're gearing up for the fall season. As I've told you guys before, I'm a little more excited for the Husky season than the Seahawks for many reasons. So I love it. But it just feels a little quiet on the home front for me being a little bit of an outsider. So Sam, can you enlighten our listeners? What's what's going on in Montlake right now? Are they doing anything? Yeah, I mean, it's it's generally mostly twiddling their thumbs. (laughs) Yeah, it's generally been pretty quiet since spring ball ended uh recruiting definitely picked up this month we've had a bunch of visitors each weekend i know we have a couple more coming in this weekend but we have a big group of really key recruits coming in for the final weekend of june which is the final you know summer visit availability across college football so it's really important when you think about you know with the December signing day these days kind of moves everybody's decision timeline up sooner. You're seeing a lot of these high school kids pledge their allegiance through a verbal commitment to these schools in the summer. They like to get it out of the way so they can kind of just focus on their senior year of high school football with their teammates. And so securing that last possible visit for some of your key recruits is a really big deal. You kind of get to make the last impression before a lot of these kids are making their decision so that's going to be a really really key weekend I know that there's going to be upwards of 10 recruits in I think Tybo Tybo's coming in who's a commitment already so it's good to have somebody that's already kind of locked in to help try to persuade others to make that leap Um, I guess the only real recruitment storyline to follow that's going to come to fruition here quickly over the next couple weeks is who our 2023 quarterback is going to be it was down to three potential recruits um avery johnson out of uh, kansas is a four-star kid it's kind of down between kansas state uw and what's the other one connor do you know he's visiting oregon oregon great yeah that's good um talk about nil (laughs) and i think they're like his third choice or like he's he's their third choice i think though so i doubt if he wants to commit they're not going to take it so i think it's more k-state uw at this point and that's who is widely regarded as kind of the, the the best recruit at that position available i'm not getting great feelings that we're going to land a commitment from him um I think who will end who we will end up with is Lincoln Kineholz or Kineholz. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. It's from South Dakota, North he might be North Dakota. South Dakota. South Dakota. And I think we're probably in the driver's seat with him. Obviously, you have that Dakota connection with you know Ryan Grubb and Coach DeBoer both being from the area that can relate to him really well. Uh Definitely a promising looking prospect. When you watch his highlight tape, he has a good arm. He's 
actually fairly mobile. The only question there is level of competition that he's played has not been great. So how does that translate to the next level? But there's no doubting that he has the physical tools to be a decent quarterback. Um, and then the third person that was kind of in that rotation just pledged their commitment to Oregon State. And I think they got a really good player there as well. Um, so we should have that, you know, everybody kind of looks for that quarterback to be the cornerstone of your recruiting class. So it'll be nice to kind of get that, get that person in the boat, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but 2023 is not going to be a great recruiting class. I think it'll fill out decently, but you have to remember that, you know, these coaches got on Montlake six months ago. So, yeah. you know, on paper, it looks like they had a whole year to recruit these kids, but really most of them are going to be making their commitments in the next month or two. It's half a year. So I would just kind of pump the brakes, reserve some judgment in the first class. You can really judge the, the recruiting prowess of this staff is going to be 2024. Well, and because building off of that, like most of the recruits have basically been like, we're wait and see on UW just because yeah. we want to see them play right and we haven't played yet with this new staff so yeah one of the guys that's visiting next weekend though i i do want to mention and i'm excited about is anthony james uh speaking of a&m a former a&m commit decommitted like last month i think and he's Mm -hmm. basically down to utah who he visited i think two weeks ago and us uw um super talented like four-star borderline five-star kid um super talented pass rusher out of texas so um, if we, he loved his uh, unofficial, I think he was up here like a month ago. Yeah. And then he decommitted um, the week after that. So that, you yeah. Can so I, that a little bit. right. You can read the tea leaves a little. I think he's very high on UW. Um, we'll see how next weekend goes. I think if we knock out of the part with park with him, we could see a commitment from him very shortly as well. So that's the guy that I kind of have circled for next weekend. There's there's a couple other guys that are exciting. Malachi Crawford's going to be in next yeah. weekend, a, def- a defensive back out of California, I think. Six four, um, corner. Six. Yeah, tall, ra- tall, rangy dude. Um, so that's an exciting talent as well coming in. Um, Nicholson ended up canceling, didn't he? Blake Nicholson. I've heard that. I don't know that if if that's been officially confirmed or not. Okay. He had been scheduled to come in, I think, but I'm not sure if he's coming in a linebacker. Um, there's a couple other guys too, but I can't think of them off the top of my head, but it, nonetheless, obviously a huge recruiting, like possibly, I mean, for sure the biggest recruiting weekend of this, like of this current staff, but like possibly the biggest that we've had in several years Yeah. as since, far as the guys coming in. Yeah. Post pandemic for sure. Yeah um so hopefully DeBoer and company they they show them what Mon likes all about and you know show them the tradition of winning at UW um and uh we can land some of these guys I I would I would expect that we probably get you know a handful of commitments after next weekend yeah um so I think we have five right now so you could probably see us having 10 to 12 after that weekend I would say um in in that range which which would be good and yeah i mean we'll like sam said we're we're looking at probably a class that's going to end up somewhere in the 30th to 50th range like as far as like the ranking um in the nation which isn't up to par with what uw should probably expect as a as a you know 
we probably should be with what Seattle has to offer, with what UW has to offer, with the tradition of the program. Should be a top 25 recruiting class, like more years than not. Yeah. Um, but I mean, for them to accomplish that in a half year and then they get to play a year, like a season, and you know, they're they're probably better developers of of talent at UW too than some of the other schools that are getting top 25 classes. Mm-hmm. that I still like our chances, you know, going forward. And then 2024 would be, again, like Sam said, the real kind of stake in the ground at where this staff is as far as recruiting prowess. Um, because <laughs> did you guys see what they just posted today as far as academic prowess? No. Take it as, 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 it, as, it, as it is, but I think we were like the – top APR or something academic ranking football team in the conference. So great. That's awesome. good. But like also a little bit tone deaf with like what went on this last year that like, I mean, they're obviously going to post that, but yeah. It, and it's, it's good. Like it's a good thing, but also the whole academic prowess thing obviously just leaves a bad Don't taste. Give a shit. Right Win them games. That's right. Pretty much. I'd rather be much. last in APR and be winning. <laughs> yeah pretty much i think that's nobody where we're all cares. at nobody, um it's not even college football anymore nobody cares almost about pro yeah semi-pro now yeah yeah there's the wrong yeah, little bit. letters we're looking for and pretty much um anything else that we need to touch on sam as far as i mean we got fall camp in like a yeah. month and a that half that's the only so. thing i was going to add is I, i'm pretty sure the incoming freshmen, the 2022 class, are oh, moving yeah. in for their leap, yep. like summer program. I think they're coming like next coming week. to campus next weekend. Um, yep. So, yeah, kind of start. That's the first sign of football season, so that's exciting. But yeah, there won't be much. July is definitely going to be a dead period. There's not a lot of recruiting that go, is going on. There might unless be there's commitments happening. A couple yeah. like commitments that trickle in, but there's just not going to be a lot of news to report on for the month of July. And then you get into yeah. August and it's fall camp, and that'll be really exciting. But yeah, I think that pretty much covers everything for Husky football. Connor, I saw you add a note here. That's <laughs> kind of exciting about Husky basketball, but uh, yeah. I can't get excited about it really until Same. I see it. I'm, I'm with you. I hear you. Um, and I don't think this actually ends up amounting to much, but the Huskies did reel in a pretty elite talent. Um, Keon Brooks, who was a former Kentucky player um, and was uh, flirting with going to the league after this last season decided to come back to college and pledge his allegiance to UW for this next year. Basically the thinking is he is going to be the one and sole offense offensive uh, weapon on this team essentially. And he can basically boost his draft stock through the numbers that he's about to put up. So um, yeah, I mean, it, he's for sure good and it's, it's better to have him than not. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's not like we're going to be bad. Like we're probably going to be a middle of the road Pac-12 team, but I still don't think that we make the, make the dance. I mean, that's what they were last year, dude. Like they were a middle. You have the same talent level. Like you lost Terrell Brown. You replace him with Keon Brooks. You lost, Oh, I guess actually that's more like Emmett Matthews with Keon Brooks. Then now you have, uh, what's his 
base from Wazoo. Noah, Noah, that trans Williams. Noah Williams is here. Um, and then there was one other guy that came in. Can't remember his name. But oh, anyway, yeah, like, Oregon I mean, it was guy, like. Kep, Kepning. Yeah, Kepning. And, and I mean, he's hell of an athlete and shot blocker. I mean, like, the, yeah. he'll fit well into Hop Zone for sure. But it, I just, I don't think Hopkins is the guy. Like, it's going to be some of it all. Seems so. In the writings on the wall for him, if they don't make the tournament this year, he's probably gone. So, I mean, it, he's trying to scrap something together mm-hmm. here um, with some odds and ends pieces, but I doubt it amounts to much. But they'll probably, you know, come in fifth or sixth in the conference and yeah. maybe maybe have an upset or two during during the year. But it's not going to be like against Gonzaga or anything. No. So, no. Uh, so it, uh, basically, you just hope that they're going to beat Oregon one of the two times and um, and that they maybe win a game or two in the, in the PAC 12 tournament. But um, yeah, Husky basketball is in a state of disarray. I, it makes me so sad. Like I, I understand that Husky football was, was your bread and butter all growing up. Sam and still is, but like what honestly made me fall in love with UW, which I followed UW up to, up to then and stuff with football and stuff. But what made me really fall in UW was those early, 2000s to mid 2000s Lorenzo Romar years and the teams that they had for UW basketball and the Will Conroy's who's obviously on staff now Nate Robinson Mike Jensen Trey Simmons Bobby Jones like all those guys that's what made me fall into Brandon Roy of course yeah I mean those are the guys that like made me fall in love with UW as as like a university that I wanted to go to um, they just made basketball so fun. They played entertaining well, basketball. They were good. What? The reason you fell in love with UW was that great APR rating. Academics, academic prowess. <laughs> well, it mattered for, more for me than these guys. So, yeah, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, not that I – my, my uh, academic prowess didn't count towards those ratings, though. I was not on the football or basketball team. So, um but yeah, that being said, I, I love my career at UW. Uh, but I mean, that's that's what made me fall in love with UW, and like that was that was what I was all about was Husky basketball during during those years because those are some dark years in Husky football too. So yeah. I really got into the basketball team at that point, and obviously the Seattle area just in general is such a talented like field of oh yeah yeah basketball talent like it's. It is unimaginable that we should not be ha- like a perennial top twenty-five team with the talent that we have here alone. Like it should, it should, it should be a given. Yeah. And we struggle to even. We've made one tournament appearance in like the last ten years. It's. Well, I think when bad. we hired Hopkins, a lot of people's worst nightmare came true. I remember, like the biggest, like when we hired him, everybody was like, "Great X's, X's and O's coach." you know, obviously has a great track record being an assistant at Syracuse, USA, men's basketball coaching. He's an awful X's and O's coach, though. He's a good defensive coach. I'm just, like, taking us back to the day that he got hired. That's what everybody was saying. And, like, the biggest worry that most had was a disconnect with the inner-city Seattle basketball talent. And 
unfortunately, we've seen that kind of come to fruition. I know that he's brought some local kids back through the transfer transfer portal. Like we're still seeing that with someone like Noah Williams, but like we had such a good thing going with Romar and recruiting that pipeline out of Seattle Rotary, AAU, Rainier Beach, Garfield, Franklin. And so we'll see. I think Hopkins writings on the wall. Um, I guess maybe posing a question to you, would, would you give Romar a look at round two? Oh no. I think you'd be, um, the, the tread on that, those tires, I think is pretty worn. Um, I, I love Romar. I just don't, I, I don't think you need to recycle that at this point. Yeah. If that were to happen. I think Jen would have to be fired. That's what I was saying. No I don't way. probably. There's yeah. no yep. way she would go back and acknowledge that. And no, there's no way. Yeah. yeah. She'd, she'd be firing herself at that point. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> how embarrassing. Yeah. Um, Too much ego. Yeah. Any, I, anyone. I, I love Romar. Like if it happened, uh, I'd, I'd be, I'd, I'd probably be excited just because it's Romar, but I don't think that's probably the best thing for the program going no. forward. He's been pretty bad at Pepperdine anyways. Yeah. And like, yeah, I, I think he's just kind of, he's kind of lost his touch a little bit with today. Like he's, he can recruit. He can't coach anymore. <laughs> he's not a great coach anymore. Yeah. So. Um, before we move on, I wanted to just touch on two more points with Keon Brooks that I thought were yep. interesting. One is just better, like clarifying exactly what happened with him at Kentucky, because sure. I like, I don't want people to think like, Oh, you know, he, flamed out at Kentucky as a five-star and is looking to go somewhere else. Like that's not the case at no. all. He was a very good player for Kentucky. He put his Just name in. He put his name into the NBA draft, decided, you know, weeks or a month or so later that he wasn't getting the draft stock grade that he wanted. And so he was going to come back to Kentucky and play, but Calipari had already filled his spot with an incoming freshman. So he was like, sorry, dude, we don't have a spot for you. So that's right. why he started to look elsewhere. And then I think the really interesting thing that I didn't really realize until recently is Keon Brooks played at like La Lumiere High School. I don't know yep. exactly where it's at, but he was East high Coast. school teammates with Isaiah Stewart. And so mm -hmm. I think that's your Mike Hopkins. You'd have connection on why he was interested. Correct. That's the only reason he was... Yeah, is like obviously Isaiah Stewart was you know probably one of Hopkins' better you know he was he was the best recruit chest. good recruit played well he's a good NBA player as well um, so that's why that makes sense <clears throat> so I just yep. wanted to add those couple of tidbits but I think in terms of Husky sports that pretty much rounds us out I think it's time to talk about some nerves. Yeah, I mean, you talk about UW men's basketball being a disappointment, and holy hell, do I have a team for you? I'm immune to it, man. It's not that bad. It's bad. I don't give a shit. It's bad. It's not good. I mean, is is no playoffs in 21 years the longest drought in American sports? Yes. And the only MLB team to never make the World Series is that bad? And only be the playoffs what five times in your 40 almost 50 years of existence. I would say that's awful, but that's just me. It's not good. 
It's not great. They won tonight, great, though. Buck. Breaking news. They won. They did. 5-0. And so, Winker didn't play. <laughs> the Seattle Mariners through how many games is this? 62. 62 games find themselves in fourth place in the AL West, sitting at 28 and 34. Mm-hmm. Connor. Where are they in the wild card? How many games back? It's like five, probably. Five, six. They are five games back in the wild card, yes. Yeah. To the Rays. Uh, well, a lot of teams. No, sorry. The Red Sox. <laughs> a lot of teams in between them. There. A lot of teams. Yeah. Most teams. Uh, Connor, you're the resident baseball Mariners expert on the And pod. I'm not. <laughs> By the way, the guys. Pod. Yeah, you are. Okay. I don't think I'm not. I don't think Sam's going to try to claim it from you. So, no. From my outside view, we have a lot of players underperforming. Mm-hmm. A lot. There mm-hmm. are like three exciting players that are performing above average, and then the rest that are disappointing. Mm-hmm. What, what's going on? Is it the players? Is it the coach or the manager, I should say? Is it the GM? Is it all the above? Where, where is it going wrong? Because we should not be an under, yes, I get it. There's still a hundred games left in the season, but we should not be an under 500 ball club playing this bad offensively. Yeah. I mean, the first thing you have to point to is in the off season, I think we all thought they needed one more bat and they probably needed a middle of the road starting pitcher, like was like the two missing pieces that we thought that they needed after the all-star break. They ended up doing the Cincinnati trade with Winker and Suarez. Some people thought that kind of filled the void of like, maybe they like, maybe that fills in your bats. I mean, Winker was coming off an all-star campaign. He's definitely was an above average outfielder, like all of the years of his career. Um, and so you think that you got a pretty good left-handed bat there. You have some exciting talent with both Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez filling out that outfield, Mitch Hanniger. Kyle Lewis is going to come back from injury. So you had a lot of outfield options, not to mention even like a Taylor Trammell down in AAA if things get hairy. Suddenly that outfield's just depleted. You have Mitch Haniger. Mitch Haniger goes down with an injury, uh, comes back, and then gets injured like the first at bat that he's back. So he's back on the IL. Um, he's probably at least a few weeks away from returning. Kyle Lewis cannot stay healthy to save his life. Um, back for about a week and then gets a concussion on like a fluke play where he swings at the ball or something and it goes off the ground and hits his head. Um, And he stays in the game, by the way. And then it's later reported that he ends up having concussion symptoms and he's still not out of concussion protocol. And it's like two weeks later. So I don't know what's going on there. Um, Kelnick sucked to start the year, obviously. So he goes down to triple A. And suddenly now your outfields, Julio Rodriguez in center field. And then you're starting Winker in left, who's severely underperforming, severely, and just got benched because he's been severely underperforming. Um, he didn't play tonight, and Scott's service was pretty mum as far as the outlook of like how he fits in the lineup, at least in the interim. Um they didn't say if it was just a day off for him or if he's like not starting now for this team. So, I mean, he's obviously been majorly underperforming though. Um, and then right field is like 
a mix of Taylor Trammell or Dylan Moore or Sam Haggerty, like Adam Frazier plays some left. Like it's rough, man. Like suddenly in that outfield. Not like Adam Frazier has been a workhorse. No. And yeah, you look, you look at all the acquisitions and yeah, Adam Frazier. I mean, that was, that was a good, I think everyone thought that was a good move by Jerry in the off season and it has not panned out. Um, He is not, been consistent enough i think i think you've seen glimpses of like what he can be um but he just has not looked comfortable um since he's since he's been here so whatever you can amount that to i don't know i'm not a baseball expert when that comes come as far as that goes what's that he's playing for the mariners when was the the last time honestly this is not even rhetorical when was the last time that we had a trade where it was like, oh yeah, that was a like we got a big time player that produced for us? Hanniger and uh, Segura. That's the only one. Everything else is like nineties. Yeah, everything Did else. You say is Beltre 90s. produced for us? No. no, that was a free agent signing though. Right. Yeah, I, I didn't know if that was included. Yeah, I mean, I just looked down a list of like the best trades Ty, Ty in France. <laughs> Ty, Ty France is a trade. Was he? Padres, right? Yeah. What did we trade? That was a part of, like, we traded, like, okay. uh, Austin yeah. Nola and shit for him. Okay. Like, it was a part of that trade. So, there's there's two in, like, the last 20 years. Maybe I'd have to go back and look. I don't know. I mean, if I'm buy looking that, at the like, yeah, it... there's a Randy Johnson trade, the Ken Griffey Jr. trade. Okay, you're Cal... looking like way deep back. <laughs> no, I'm just looking all time. Like, what are the best trades? They're all that old. There's like Kelnick and Dunn is on here, but I think that's a joke. We don't know yet. Like, Kelnick's still young. We don't know. Kelnick yet. has been sent down three times in a yeah. year and a half. Sometimes that's... it takes that. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying he's gonna. I'm not saying he's gonna be like what we thought he was gonna be, but he could still be an everyday outfielder for you, and Jamie that'd be a win. Boyer, trading Randy, that Randy Johnson trade away was a good one. We got Freddie Garcia, Carlos Guillen, and Halama. Also, Randy Johnson went on to win three Cy Youngs. So, was it really that good? Well, I'm, I mean, that Guillen was, was Guillen and Freddie Garcia. Were good. 116 win season and then what did they do after that nothing yeah. but randy wasn't going to stay anyways dan wilson randy, trade. randy won two pennants i think yeah there's there's one depoto trade on this list and it's hanniger segura for taiwan yeah that's Marte. the big one yeah that's the big one so i think that and I, the thai france deal was really good like that i mean that was thai france is one of the best players in baseball right now yeah, but I mean, my general point there is like you're looking at a 20 year history. Shit, sure. make it make it 30 years. Those trades go back to the 90s. In 30 years, you have like two meaningful trades in the last 20. So like, I get it. Like these trades had some hype with AU Genio, AU Henio, like bringing in Winker, bringing in Frazier. Even signing Robbie Ray, it's like, yeah, we always sign well, people after they've had their career year. Yeah, that's 
that's the next name that I was going to bring up is that Robbie Ray has been a severe disappointment as well. Or like coming off yeah, a Cy Young season, are you kidding me? I yeah, I I would step short of like that he's been awful. Like he's been he's been okay, but like okay compared is not a Cy Young winner. Correct. Expectations you signed him as an ace. Yeah, you Sam, signed him as an ace, which is anything. Are we but... above or below budget with uh, Robbie Ray? Oh, we're way overpaying. Yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's been so. I mean, you're you're just not getting the value that you thought you were going to from a lot of these players. Um, there, it's it's much of the team is underperforming. Um, I think I think it's a mix of that they relied a lot on some young talent blossoming that has not. Um, <coughs> Kalinick. <coughs> yeah, and I mean, you look at like, like the new. Jackson you look at Matt Brash. Yeah, you look at like Matt Brash didn't work out. They brought up Kirby. Kirby's been okay since. Like he's been better than Brash, but not amazing. Um, so I mean, they they relied upon a rookie to fill that fifth relief, fifth starter role yeah. rather than acquiring someone, you know, so a, a proven veteran. So I, they made some mistakes going into the season, just like betting on some some young talent blossoming and maybe not fulfill like filling that depth as much as we thought that there was depth there. There really isn't. I mean, like they have this love fascination with Abraham Toro and he's just not good. And like he plays every day and he's a DH yeah. second base, third base for you. And he's, he's a hole in that lineup every day. Um, so it's, it's been disappointing to say the least. Uh, that being said for uh, six games, what are you five, six games under 500 right now and five games out of the wild card. Are we that far below I mean, 500? I thought we were... I think we're six games under. Six games under as of tonight. Okay. So, I mean, it's it's not it's not good, but this team hasn't even, like, been close to hitting their stride yet either. Um, so, basically, I, the this team's goal needs to be get to the All-Star break at or right around 500. Like, within a, within a game or two, if you're under... Hopefully you're right at 500 or maybe even a game or two above. And then you're right in it. Like, like then, then it's the sprint to the finish after that. Right. And if you start playing your best ball late July, August, like, yeah, you can go on a run and you can make the playoffs. And there's another, an additional playoff team now in, in, in each league. So uh, now there's six teams from each league that make it. So it, none of the teams that are above us, like in that wild card race, scare me that much. Like it, this team needs to get healthy and they need to start like th- some of these guys need to start performing for them to obviously turn it around. Yeah. But you can't write the season off in June. I'm just sorry. I- I'm sorry. You can't when you're six games under 500, you just can't like there's been teams that have won the pennant that have been in the, basically the same position that we're on. We're in right now. So and Mariners fan, Mar- Mariners fan, no Mariners fandom for Heard it here the last World Series thirty team. years has taught us not to like get like to basically write the season off at this point. But I don't know. I'm like, you might as well root for something. I guess is like I I'd rather like root for something and like have a glimmer of hope than just be miserable the entire summer. So. Whenever you say root, it like triggers me because yeah. sports covers sports. and yeah. it doesn't <laughs> let me they don't let me stream the games or watch the game. So you know, yeah, it's pretty bad. Do a great I, job promoting the game, root sports. Great job. Awesome. Way to make it. Yeah, accessible. they need to do something about that. 
they need to do something like that about that. Um, but yeah, I think have- I, I agree with you. Like, I don't think it's any, it's not time to write the season off. And I think there's one reason like to not, write they need it to turn the ar- season. They need to turn around quickly though. Like they like mm-hmm. time's ticking. Like it's yeah. not, it's not like you can just be like, Oh, it's early. Like you're a third of the way through the season. No, you need to start playing good baseball. Yeah, I agree. But, but it's definitely not time to like write the season off. And I'll no, say, honestly, like I'm the most plugged into this Mariners team that I've been in the last 15, I'm 16 sorry. years. I apologize. For one reason. And that is Connor's man crush. Julio! He He's is pretty good, huh? So good. He's pretty good, huh? So good. Yeah, he's fun, man. I mean, uh, I said it. I, I I obviously praised him going into the season, and he's, he's 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 passed my expectations though. Even like through this these first few months, like I mean, that first three or four weeks was pretty rough for him. Like he he definitely like struggled to kind of adjust at that point. But God, once he turned that corner, he took off like a rocket. He was the rookie of the rookie of the month in May. He's having a great June so far as well. Yeah, and he's just made for the moment. Like he just has these he has these plays that are so clutch and just like you, you can tell he just like has that it factor that we just haven't had on the team for so goddamn long. And he's just so fun to watch. He's so young. He brings a youthful energy to the team. Um, he's definitely someone that you can just build around for the future for years to come. Um, by the way, they just need to lock him down to like a 10 year deal now. Yeah. His, his cost is skyrocketing. Give him Um, him the Robinson Cano contract. Yeah. Easily done. He's, he, he is, um, he's definitely, I think the favorite right now to win rookie of the year. Yeah. Um, and could be outside, outside looking in. Yeah. Outside. I mean, Bobby, Bobby, what's been, he's got a lot of hype around him, but he's only been okay. Julio has been better. Yeah, for sure. Um, he's got outside shot at the All Star game. I'd say he'd probably be, be more of like a right end guy, but like he's been he's been really exciting though too. That first mm-hmm. month was just really rough. So he was hitting in the one hundred strikes in, zone, in that Connor. first month. Rigged, rigged. Yeah, thanks a lot, Blue. Yeah, that didn't help. That didn't help for sure. But I mean, God, he's he's turned a corner and he's he's adjusting well now. Like the, the slant, the game is left and right. Hey, I called that one, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Yeah, I yeah. was wrong. I was wrong, for sure. Where, where were you on steals? I'm looking I was over JP here. Crawford. JP, yeah, both of you guys were. JP's been good. He just doesn't steal bases. So. I don't know why. I don't know why either. He's scared. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe yeah, he can't get it. He's not good at reading or something. I don't know. Are we oh, anyone that you're excited about? What? What's that? I was gonna I, say, I just my... was gonna say, oh. oh god, we're we're all at a rat whack right now. Sam, please go. I was gonna say my home run prediction looks great with Jared Kelnick. That's a great pick. Screw <laughs> that guy. They can I think Connor's gonna be right, but my prediction was more fun predicting Julio. Yeah, he has a shot though, dude. Like yeah. I'm pretty sure Suarez is at ten, and Julio's at eight or something. Yeah, it took like three cool. weeks for Julio to hit his first one. Right. And then he's just had one like one or two every week basically since then. So 
Yeah, um, Logan Gilbert was a good call. Robbie yeah. Ray, Sam and I are chumps. That's why yeah. we hate Gilbert's low key on a Cy Young like campaign right now. Looking nice. The first two and a half really months. Really he's, he's under like a two five or around there, right? Two two two. Yeah. That's he's, nice. Another another six innings of shut up all tonight for a win. Mm. He he's been your ace. It's the only guy he's, we can, he's like, doing what sure you paid Robbie on. Ray to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if I'm so looking who at are these you, Robbie Ray? I'm looking at these predictions. Connor's got pretty much everything right. Except the record. Not Hanniger. What I'm saying, yeah, outside of Hanniger. But I'm saying is the record, you know, he's been right on everything else. He could be looking for a big turnaround here. 98 and 64 is looking rather unlikely. That's going to, we're going to have to go on a tear. Yeah. Um, They were not far off this pace last year, though, I will say. And they won 90 games. So. Right, it's so not have to go, unheard we're have of. To go seventy and thirty in our last hundred. I just did the quick math to get to ninety. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly. gonna be tough. <laughs> that would be so it's just, fun. Yeah, yeah, that would you, be fun. Agreed. <laughs> you need Robbie to be an ace, and you just need like more consistent offense. Like it, the the bullpen's been bad too, but they've been relied upon way too heavy as well, and they're also banged up. So. I don't know. It, I, it's no easy fix. Like you can point to like 10 different parts of this roster and be like, that's the issue. That's the issue. Um, which isn't a good sign, <laughs> but um, at the same time, like you get like, if th- the things that if they can happen are not like out of the realm, like we don't need any of these guys to be performing at like the best of their career we just need them to perform like where we expected them to perform you know like average of their career when i'm talking about like winker or suarez or frazier or robbie ray like these guys just need to be like the guys that they were before they came here you know and if that happens then you're gonna see this team rattle off you know four or five in a row a few times this year and you do that and you're right back in it, but you need that to happen. So I keep waiting for it to happen. Like, it seems like it, just when you think someone's turning a corner, it just, it doesn't amount to anything and it, it you can only wait for so long. So we're at this t- part of the season where like you got a month till the all-star break and this is kind of put up or shut up time. And like, you got to, you got to start turning it on. Like they, they, they've been playing a little bit better baseball recently. Like they had like four series wins in a row. Um, and then they lost two out of three to the Red Sox over the weekend, which was a little bit of a letdown. Um, but now you've gotten your one and one against the twins. Now, if you steal a game tomorrow, that's another series win. And then you got five big games against the angels over yeah. the weekend. It's a weird five game series. Cause you got a double header on Saturday. So I'd say honestly, probably in the next couple weeks, you're probably gonna know if this team could make a run or not, because I think you're kind of at that point of the season that you'll see glimpses of it if if it's gonna happen, and if it doesn't, then you're gonna see us selling at the trade deadline again, and you're probably gonna see Depoto and Service out at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Last baseball item, guys: Are we for or against robot umps, specifically at home plate? For strike zone, for strike I'm zone. I'm for it for strike zone. Yeah, same. 
I just don't know why we can't do it. I mean, we have the technology to do it in less than <laughs> they have the tracer half of a <laughs> second. It's part yeah. of the game. It's a romantic sport. Oh, America's stupid. pastime. I think the biggest issue I have with it isn't so much as like the human error side of things. It's it's the ego of the umps. Like <laughs> I think that's 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 the biggest like flaw that I would see in the whole thing is just like they they're so quick to the trigger of like tossing guys out or, you know, like for arguing balls and strikes or like, I mean, they obviously like aren't held to like any kind of accountability or anything either because Manfred's a fucking idiot for one. And then two, like none of these guys are improving at their balls and strikes like call rate. Like, are they even studying their game after the, after the fact at all or, I mean, most of these guys probably have like fucking pensions and shit. Like they don't give a shit anymore, right? They're just out there doing their time until they can cash out. So th- that's the biggest issue that I have with it yeah. more than like the human error side of things. If you're listening and you want to be entertained, go to YouTube and type in Angel Hernandez highlights. <laughs> Fuck that, that guy. That dude is horrible behind the Yeah, mic. he's bad. Yeah. Like so bad. If you performed at that level in literally any other job in like corporate America, you're fired. Yeah. Like, don't come to work tomorrow. Fired. Yeah. It's not good. So yes, Justin, I am for robot. Robot umps. Good. I'm glad we're Are all you? in agreement. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I saw this other I week. Figured. Was it a week or two ago? I don't remember. I don't think it was a Mariners games, but it was like a curveball right in the middle of the plate and it was called a ball yeah <laughs> i need to find that it was unbelievable i'll find that and send it to you guys did Let's you see when julio got, got tossed yeah yeah this was like a week and a half two weeks ago or something like that don't you he did dare like the, touch your bat you did like the drag yeah mm-hmm. I, I love that though like it's it's salty but it's like dude what the I fuck are you looking at man? Yeah. Like, if he can outline it for you and he's standing where he is then you miss that and you're right behind it. So, yeah. That's all the Seattle sports updates, guys. My mind is on USMNT still. Uh, got some big. It's an okay result. Yeah, it's an okay result on that mud pitch in El Salvador. Yeah, I mean, the, the context of it, it's like, I mean, that's you draw away and usually that's two, fine. And two red cards. Stuff. Key, key items that came out of that match for me. Ethan Horvath has no business being on the World Cup roster. <laughs> Paul yeah, Ariola is not going to make agree. it either. Correct. That was his last chance to show something. He showed a red card, so that's not good. Quickly. Who did make it, though? And lastly, which I was getting to, the equalizer, Jordan Morris. Likely yeah, secured. I think he was probably on the inside anyway, but that likely secured his spot. Just mm-hmm. the impact. He's not going to start by any means, but the impact no. that he can provide off the bench, the speed, the just yep. the finishing. Say you're down one nil in the 80th minute, bringing on a Jordan Morris. That that type of scenario, just yeah. for that alone, is what he'll make the World Cup roster for. I agree. He doesn't have the technical chops to be starting in a no. World Cup match. <laughs> And he didn't have to for that header goal. No, he just had to get in the no. right position and be in the right place, which he can do that. So 
the second of three ish World Cup related items that I wanted to bring up is I got pissed yeah. off at the nerds today. You guys know I'm a nerd. Fan. <sighs> But they came out with World Cup probabilities today. Now that the last World Cup team has secured their place, and that was Costa Rica today, and they gave the U.S. less of a chance to advance out of the group than Iran. And they said Iran, U.S., and Wales, respectively, were the 17th, 18th, and 19th best teams in the tournament. Who came out? England. What nerds are we talking about? Uh, just a set of nerds, you know. I mean, I could be specific, but a set of nerds that do nerd stuff for that's a bunch of malarkey for football, <laughs> yeah. So that, that kind of pisses, pisses me off. off. In England, also, they're overrated every year, by the way. They're not they, going to breeze through this group by any means. They no. lost four nil to Hungary, yeah. That's really bad. I could see them ending up with like three points in that group, they could, they could. Maybe four. Like, yeah. we're, we're making it to a round of 16. Let's be honest. The last I like Cup, our chances. I do too. The last World Cup related item is for 2026. And on Thursday, they're going to announce the host cities. And mm-hmm. I would be shocked if Seattle was not one of them. Shocked. So yeah. Very likely in Are June of 2026, Seattle will be hosting some World Cup games. And if the U.S. is playing, you better bet your ass on there. Oh, yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> we'll probably have a pretty hard time getting tickets, but oh, yeah. I don't care. I'm if it's going. $300, I'm going. I'm going, yeah. Oh, it would probably be more than that, maybe. But, yeah. I mean, so, you know, how often do you In 2026, see... with inflation these days, man, you're talking about two Gs, at least to get in the door. Start saving now. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise Christian Pulisic's going to be mad at you. That's right. <laughs> Don't think he has to worry about the crowd in Seattle no. coming to a game in June. Definitely well, not. not this June, but in any other June. Coming to <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, that's that'd it. be super. That would be super exciting to have World Cup soccer. That'd be awesome. Seattle would be awesome, and I think Seattle would show very, very well on the world stage too. Panoramic shots of the Space Needle, the Olympics. The water. No, I don't want that because then you're gonna have way too many people moving here again. Oh, it's already it's too late, Connor. Are you kidding yeah, me? No, they're already here. Ship has sailed. They're already here. They're not going anywhere. Well, but have they seen this Montana. June? It sucks. They should go. It suck. We don't have summer here. This June has been. They should leave. Yeah. But as we've always I haven't minored it because I'm not hot. But. As you know, locals for for our lives. We know summer does not start here until the 4th of July. This is true. Correct. Some, I mean, this June has been really bad, but summer does not start until the 4th of July. June, so June's usually days. like relatively mild, but you usually get but like not this a handful rainy, of... Though. This is the thing. No. Yeah. And you usually get some days in the mid 70s, like especially at this at this point. But mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah, it's been 60s, <laughs> high 50s sometimes. So, and yeah, a lot of rain, but. Maybe what July will be, do? July will be better. Maybe, yeah. It's it not, it's not like we control the weather. It needs yeah, to clear yeah. up by August. If it clears up by August, then we're good. That's true. I think you'll be fine. August. I think you'll be fine. Still. We'll see. We'll see. Well, that's it. I was looking up this West Coast League that Golden Tate is playing in tonight, and there's some yeah. interesting team names in this league. 
What do we got? We got, well, the poor damn just lefties is the team that he's playing on. At the Bellingham Bells. I know the Bellingham Bells. Jake Locker yeah. played for them. The Wenatchee Apple Sox. I know the Apple Sox well. Well, <laughs> tell me more. I know the Apple Sox well. <laughs> tell me more about the Apple Sox. I've had a couple friends play on that team. Have you? Oh, yeah. All right, you, well, you got we have... some Apple Sox gear? No, I should. But I don't. I'd go Oops. to a game. We got the, the Bend Elks. That's not Ooh, that the weird. Elks. Uh, I think that's who they're playing tonight, Port Angeles. Because like, Golden Tate was supposed to like start tonight for them. I am shocked that Port Angeles has a team. I like, know. Bellingham, not a surprise. Kind of, Manachi, yeah, kind of not random. A surprise. Bend, also not a surprise. I mean, Nanaimo, Canada has a team. Uh, that's the Night Owls. Corvallis has a team. Ridgefield. Where's Ridgefield? I don't even know what the hell that is. I don't know either. Uh, the Springfield Drifters. The Walla Walla Sweets. For the Onions, I'm guessing. The Yakima Valley Pippins. The Pippins. I don't know them. All. And the Portland Pickles. They have this famous uh, social media account where they had the pickle uh, in a certain I know place. them well as, as well. My oh, buddy yeah. from high school played for the Pickles. You're Sean all about Moran. PCL. Shout out. Yeah, mostly a summer the... league for college students, as I my research yeah. shows tonight. But uh, and Golden Tate, that's the league's demographic. And Golden Tate. Well, with your PCL sources, Sam, if you could get Golden Tate to come on the pod and talk about Russell Wilson, I think that would be our best performing pod <laughs> ever. That would be amazing. I might have to, I might have to call around see if I can make something happen. That would be amazing. Use your lefties resources that you have at your disposal. I have some family in, in PA. Okay. So we'll see. It's a small. Yeah, let's go to a game. There can't be more than 50 fans. So. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You get to a place like Port Angeles. Not a lot going on. You know, haul a six pack whole, to the, to the whole city comes out. A night. No, whole town comes out. I mean, that's what it's like for the NAIA championships in Lewiston, Idaho, when my cousin Nick was playing there. It was bananas. <laughs> I mean, that is. Yeah, those all kids are still in college, though, and that's like what they're playing for. This is like a. Yeah, it's, it's different. But some yeah. of those small towns, like whatever the sports is, they're there and they're drunk. Uh, I'm looking at the, the port. Port Angeles lefties baseball field on Google Maps looks like a nice field, but the the stadium, that's that's rich. The field <laughs> has about like five rows, six rows of bleachers, and it goes right like home plate and wraps a light, tiny bit towards first base dugout. So it's like you know like a high school field. Seats might maybe like eighty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sounds about on right. a sunny day, <laughs> right across the street from the skate park. Oh, all right. Yeah. Just like uh, Mill Creek. Bunch of hoodlums yeah. at the skate park. <laughs> Up to no good. You guys have anything else you want to say before we sign off? Broncos Sounders won tonight against the White Broncos Caps. country. Let's ride. I had no chance. I had no, no chance, chance of getting something in. That's overpowering Russell Wilson.
Four nil, Connor. Four nil over the Whitecaps. Whitecaps are just always bad. Doesn't matter the They're year. Typically pretty. Up. There was like they were good like one year back when they had Davies. One. I think I think I think they made the playoffs, but like they like lost the first round or they've something. They've been in they've yeah. been in the league the same amount of time as Portland has and just way less. Yeah, they haven't done anything. They haven't done yeah. anything. It's too bad. Because they're like the friendly neighbor where Portland is just shit, you know? And so yeah. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that. Uh, I'm okay being a Sounders fan. I'll just say that. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it, guys. Thanks for joining us for episode 57. As always, we appreciate the support. Subscribe and follow if you haven't already. And leave us a message via the anchor link in our description. Until next time. Go Hawks. Go dogs, go mariners, and Broncos country. <laughs> Let's ride. Jesus Christ. All right.